Let's open to Joshua chapter 24. Tonight I wanted to look at things that are worth remembering. Joshua 24, things that are worth remembering. And uh, we're just going to read a few verses down through here and, and then begin. It says in verse 1, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, uh, and for their judges, and for their officers, that they be presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. And to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob's his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came uh, to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And they cried out to the Lord. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and, and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. And they fought with you, but I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zephar, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gershites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. That's a bunch of ites, y'all. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. The two Amorites came with the sword and with, or with your bow. And I did not give you a land. I, and I have given you a land which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them and you eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you do not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And in that famous verse, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served who were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you that you're here with us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, let your word go forth. And Father, I just pray that uh, you'll, we'll take it and obey it and grow from it. And that you'll be glorified in our midst. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And when I was graduating high school, and I can still barely remember that, uh, everybody had some kind of advice for me. Most of it wasn't worth listening to. But I had one particular fellow who I'd worked for for two years, uh, and he said, now, Gary, I'm going to give you one piece of advice and only one. And I promised that it'll be good advice. I said, okay, go ahead. And I didn't believe him because he was not known for giving good advice. Most of it was very worldly, but he told me this. He said, never forget where you came from. I thought, what in the world does that mean? But what he meant was, 
that where I was going off to school, they would try to change my values and change and make my parents look foolish and this and that. And he said, you've got to understand that if you remember where you came from, then you remember where God is leading you. And so I found that to be pretty good advice. And basically what he was telling me is the same thing I think this passage of Scripture is saying. And that's very simple. We should remember all that the Lord has done for us. Remember where you came from. Remember all that the Lord has done for us. Okay? And so there are some things worth remembering about that. First of all, we should remember God's plan. Okay? Those first four verses told us of God's plan. First of all, you need to realize God's plan is for a personal relationship. Okay, Joshua is old. He's advancing years. He knows he's not going to live much longer. He's challenging the people to sure up their firm up their commitment to God, and he does that by reminding them that they have a personal relationship to the true God, the God of Israel. And he was reminding them that because he starts off with Abraham and goes forward that, okay? He's gathered them all together. They've marched in front of the Lord. Um, You know, they're all there at Shechem, the place where they worshiped at that time. And he's reminding them, remember God's plan. And God had a plan. See, Abraham and all his forefathers had been in a, a strange land and worshipped false gods. God had revealed himself to Abraham because he wanted to have a personal relationship with him and called him to follow him, and Abraham did. And Abraham was blessed because of that personal relationship with God. Okay, And you need to understand that God is still calling men and women, boys and girls, and has called us for his plan to have a personal relationship with him. And it's, it's up to us to make sure that we're doing that. The plan still involves a personal relationship. When, whenever it's Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father by, by me, that's what he meant. It's a personal relationship. When Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that's what he means. It's a personal relationship. And everybody needs to remember that you were called to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Okay? And you need to understand how that happened. And you need to remember that. And you need to remember when your relationship started. And I need to remember. And we need to remember how God has revealed himself to us as we've walked in that relationship. So it's a, it's a, it's a plan for personal relationship. But it's also a plan for purposeful blessings. Abraham had followed God for 25 years before Isaac was born. Then Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob had the 12 patriarchs. And and God had blessed them even when they went down to Egypt. Okay? And were made slaves there. He blessed them. And he blessed the current leadership in that they had taken a large part of the land. And God had done the fighting for them. Basically. And he tells them, you, you, you have the blessings you did not work for. You have cities you did not build. You have orchards and, and olive trees and all this that you did not plant. He said, but I gave it to you. See, it's a member of God's purposeful blessings. And God is still in the business of giving us purposeful blessings that glorify his name. We need to ask ourselves, uh, do we remember that? From the beginning, he planned for us to have life, and that's why Jesus came, that we could have life and have it more abundantly. 
From the beginning, he planned to bless us, and he has, if we remember where we came from. Most marvelously, he has blessed us. He has blessed our nation more than, more than we deserve. Okay? But do we remember that? Are we thanking God for that? Are we saying, God, thank you? When you get up in the morning, is it, oh, Lordy, it is Monday again? Or, oh, thank the Lord, it's Monday again. Those that are prime ribs say, oh, thank the Lord. I'm not going to forget that. I might change her name to prime rib. I wouldn't do that to you, Miss Carolyn. But see, we need to ask, when we think of God's plan of grace and mercy, when we think of what he's done for us, what do we do in return? Do we, do we surrender our hearts anew? Do we serve anew? Does it fire us up to think of how good our God is? Does it cause praise to break forth in, in our, our hearts and through our lips? It should. For all his mighty works, he deserves our praise. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. He has a plan for our lives, and it includes a personal relationship, and it includes personal blessings where he glorify his name. The second thing that I see here is this. We should remember God's power. We should remember God's power. In verses 5 through 13, he talks about God's prayer. He talks about all that God did there. He starts off in verses 5 and 6, and Joshua reminds him of the plagues, that Egypt at that time was the most mighty nation in all the earth. They had more chariots than anybody. They won more battles than anybody. They were one of the richest nations in all the world. And yet God took ten mighty plagues and led the children of Israel out. With ten mighty plagues, he broke He broke Egypt. You need to understand that Egypt worshipped a myriad or a plethora or just gobs and gobs of gods. But the ten major ones that they worshipped, each plague attacked one of their major gods. And God showed that he was more powerful than their gods. And their fathers had seen that. Okay? And we need to know that God's... Power is still evidence against false gods in our day also. We need to remember that if there's false gods in our life, he will have power to, to rule over those too. But not only that, he, he talked about the pursuit in verse 7, how they'd been let go finally. And you remember they went and sort of made a circle and camped on a little peninsula facing the Red Sea. And, and then all at once, Pharaoh is chasing them with his chariots and everybody's throwing up their hands. Oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. And, and uh, when Moses cries out to God, he said, why are you crying out to me? Take your staff and stretch it over the Red Sea and see what happens. And he parts the Red Sea. But the scripture here also reminds us that he made it dark. He put darkness between them and the Egyptians. Now, see, they had been led by God's presence, represented by that pillar of cloud in the day and the pillar of fire at night. And think about it. The dark side was always facing the Egyptians, and the side that was God's Shekinah glory, the light that they needed, was always facing the Israelites in this time until they crossed through the Red Sea. It's God's power. He does things like that even today. If you don't think so, talk to some folks who have, who have, who have been healed. You see, it's a, it's a perfect example of 
Romans 8, 28 and 29, we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he foreordained, okay, to become uh, like his son Jesus is what the translation says, okay. We need to understand that. Uh, in John 10, 10, we talk, it talks about the devil coming to steal and kill and destroy. But he says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And in that pursuit, they started to get a picture that God was serious about watching out for his own. Listen to me. God is still serious about watching out for his own. And then there's the pondering in verse 7 and 8. You see, they're called to remember and to thank God for all he had done. But, but listen to me. In the pondering, what I'm talking about is this. In 9 through 13, he talks about all that God had done leading them into the land. But when you think about God's goodness, it's not just, it's supposed to call us to faithfulness. It was supposed to call them to faithfulness. He wants them to renew their commitment. When you sit down and you try to write out your blessings and how God has led you in the past and what you're praying for him to do in your present and in your future, remember those things are there to call us to be more faithful than we ever have been to God. That's why he had a march in front of him. Show themselves to God. All the leadership. That's why he told them all the things that he told them uh, to remain faithful. In the possession, they're in the possession of the promised land. They're defeating foes right and left by his uh, power. You see, we see God's power. I think we're the only true free land in all the world right now. God has blessed us with that. We live where we can take our Bibles wherever they want, and they can't keep me from taking my Bible. Now, they can tell me I can't, but they can't keep me from doing it. And right now, we don't have to worry about somebody breaking the doors down back there in the back. And coming in and tell us this is an unlawful assembly like they do in China and in Saudi Arabia and some places in Africa. See, we have men and women across the world right now that are fighting for that freedom. And we need to thank God for that. And, and you realize that it's by God's power and freedom that we have that Gasol Baptist Church exists. Okay. And we need to remember that and thank God for that. And we need to ask, are we plugged into that power? Our, our connections, right? Are we maintaining our Bible study, our prayer, our service? Not that good works save us, but they're an evidence that we've been saved. Or, or are we keeping things clean between us and God so we can clearly hear his voice? It's not muffled. Okay? We need to understand that. You see, we need to pray for God's power to be displayed in our nation, in our church, in our community, in our families. Because we need God's power. And we need to remember God's power. And we won't rise to the level that we're supposed to rise to if we depend on our own strength. We have to remember God's power. I'm going to say it the way Henry Blackaby says. If we can do it, God's not in it. Now, did you hear that? If we can do it, God's not in it. Because God wants to do God-sized things that only he can do. So that everybody has to look at it and say, they couldn't do that. God's up to something. God gains the glory. God gains the power. And we need to remember that. J.B. Phillips has a New Testament translation I really like. In Ephesians 19 and 20, 1, 19 and 20, he says this. How tremendous is the power available to us who believe in God. How tremendous is the power available to us. Where he's talking about he can do more than we think or ask or blah, blah, you know. How tremendous is the power available to us 
with God. We can handle it with God. So we remember God's plan. We remember God's uh, power. But we should remember God's promises. You see, Joshua leads the way. Reminding them of God's promises. That he had promised to lead them and he had done it. He always kept his word. As you go through this chapter, he reminds them of a lot of things of that nature. And our pact should be, our pact that we make with God is, look, you've always kept your promises. And we know that. And so we're going to faithfully serve you. Just because of who you are. Our privilege is to know him. To be a part of his kingdom work. Our prize is exactly that. The greatest prize that we have is getting to know Jesus as our Savior and getting to know Him more and more each and every day. I want you to think about what I'm telling you. You don't have to worry about going to sleep tonight and waking up lost tomorrow. That'll be pretty good. It doesn't matter if I feel terrible tomorrow. God still loves me. It doesn't matter if the wheels fall off the car. God still loves me. Okay? It doesn't matter, and you can just fill in the blank. God still loves you. Okay, That's his promise. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Okay, That's our prize. And what is God's proof? They took the vows, and they wrote down and set it on a rock here later in this chapter that they're going to do what Joshua said to do, that they too were going to serve God. And that rock was to stand Uh, as a testament against them, that they made those promises. Do you realize that when we said, Jesus, forgive me, he forgave us, and our next words were, Jesus, I love you, and I am yours. That was our promise to him. And we need to keep those promises to the best of our ability. Do we keep our word the way God keeps his word? Um, Booker T. Washington was one of the best inventors of America. And he, he remembers uh, slavery. In his, in his book, Up From Slavery, he talks about, about meeting a man that walked all the way from Ohio to Virginia and placed money in his owner's hand to buy his freedom after the war was already over and he didn't have to anymore. And Booker T. Washington said, what are you doing? You were afraid the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. You're now a free man. You don't have to pay for yourself anymore. And that former slave stood straight up and said, Sir, I gave my word to my master that if he would free me, I would go and earn the money that he said was for my uh, freedom, and I would place it in his hand at the end of each year. He said, I've never broken my word, and I'm not going to now either. That's what God says. When we remember what he's done for us, when we remember his promises, his purposes, uh, his plans for us, when we remember his power, he said, I've never broken my word, Gary. Why are you worried about me breaking my word now? It should give us hope in this world we live in. It should give us uh, a little bit of extra oomph to make it through a Monday or a Tuesday or whatever day you're having the problems. See, we need to understand That we need to remember these things. These things are for us. These things are to help us grow. These things are to make us uh, last through uh, the world that we live in. They're worth remembering. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Have you remembered God's plan?
Do you thank him for it? Do you remember when you were, you were saved? And do you thank him for that? If you haven't been saved, do you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior now? Do you remember not only God's plan, but do you remember God's power? That he who keeps you is able. Do you praise him for that power? Do you trust your biggest problems to his power? What about his promises? Do you claim his promises? Do you write them down in the back of your Bible when you feel like he gave you one? And date it? And then date it again when it's fulfilled? These things help us to grow as Christians. Maybe tonight you need to come and remember something special about your God. You just want to recommit to that. Maybe you need to come and and join the church. Or maybe you need to come and accept Christ. Maybe you've got burdens that are just causing you to, to not remember as much about God as you need to remember. It's taking your mind off of the things of God. And you want to just surrender those burdens. I don't know, but I'm going to pray. And then we're going to stand. And you come as God would have you come. Father God, this is your time. It's holy time because you are here. And Father, I just pray your will and only will be done during this time of invitation. And that, Lord, you will receive the glory from it. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.